and uh, we are back, back in this summer series, dealing with practical issues. And today uh, we're going to be dealing with uh, sex. Now for the series, we've got these verses from Colossians. This is our hope that we all walk in wisdom towards outsiders, particularly our interaction with those that don't love Christ, making the best use of the time, letting our speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that we may know how we ought to answer each person. And our strategy, of course, is be informed. We're trying to work on a little bit, understanding what is going on out there in the world and how ought we as those who treasure Christ be thinking about that. We want to be involved. We want to be involved in people's lives. We are here to help people find the joy of Jesus. So we got to be interacting with them. And then we just want to be nice. Sometimes we Christians can get uh, a bit defensive and argumentative. And quite frankly, it feels to me sometimes even mean-spirited. And we want to stand lovingly. We want to stand, but we want to stand lovingly uh, for Christ. And again, in this whole thing, as we deal with all these issues, we never want to forget. God created us to be happy, and he created us to find our deepest, most lasting joy in our relationship with him. So finally, back again to the subject at hand. Lord, you created us as sexual beings. It's part of who we are. I pray as we talk about this today, wherever we are in our journey with you, wherever we are in our journey with relationships with others, I pray that you would help us to see your grace, your love, your forgiveness, and your joy. Father, speak to us of your character. Speak to us of the happiness that's ultimately found in relationships with you as we talk about this subject which in one way, shape, or form, wherever we are on this journey, is relevant for us. That's my prayer, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So the best way I could think of to illustrate the challenge is by referencing an episode of uh, The Bachelorette. Now, some of you have heard of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. It's a TV show, and they take a man or a woman. This is a bachelorette, a woman, and the woman's name was Hannah B. Then they start with about 25 or 30 men, and through the, the, the episodes, they narrow it down ultimately to one, but they narrow it from about 25 to three. And when we get to three, the three have an opportunity to have an overnight with the bachelor bachelorette. Now, where this episode got interesting is both Hannah B. and Luke P., he was one of the three, claimed that they were treasurers of Christ. Both of them claimed that they loved Jesus. Now, Luke wasn't the guy on the first night, but he expressed some concern that Hannah B. would be going with another man and might be having intimate relationships with him which he, as her potential future husband, had concerns about. And his view was essentially sex outside of marriage is wrong. Now, what happens on the show is Hannah B. with another gentleman, the night before Luke P. is supposed to be with her, has the most intimate of physical relationship. Her response is, I have had sex, and honestly, Jesus still loves me. 
This is not outside of what God and Jesus would consider healthy for my relationships. So here's a guy concerned that the woman he might be married might be having a relationship with somebody else. And I'll just tell you, if you were following this in the media, Luke P. was criticized and excoriated. His view was seen as unreasonable, as archaic, as outdated, and judgmental. A guy that was considering marrying a woman. She's claiming Jesus is good with this. This is what we want to try and pull apart. Now, here's what I'm going to give you as a, a, summary, a summary sentence, and then we're going, to, we're going to try and pull it apart here a little bit. But sex is a gift God has given. And when I'm talking about sex today, I'm not talking just about the consummated act, but there are steps that lead up to this, and there is, there's all kinds of... So you're following me here. I'm speaking generally about this. But these expressions of physical intimacy are a gift that God has given us that when misused and abused results in pain and destroys lives. And yet what enjoyed within the parameters of its design by God produces the pleasure and delight that is designed by God. So let's start with our culture's perspective of God's gift of sex. And when I speak of culture, I'm obviously speaking today very generally, and there are people all over the map. And I'm going to speak very generally from my perspective, and I'm going to talk about primarily what I consider to be its misuse in understanding and its misuse in, in how we, we, we proceed. Now, we do need to understand that for most of the culture out there, this is a godless act. And I just mean they're not considering God in this. I think sometimes those of us who love Christ, we keep expecting those who don't love Christ to have the foundation. We just got to be real here. They don't see God in this. It's not, God is not a factor in their decision making. They see this as a primarily a biological process that produces pleasure. And we are now as a culture at a place I've never seen in my life where it is just pretty rampantly assumed that anyone, and I'm talking here about gender, sometimes number of people involved, uh, the, the standards have uh, loosened and continue to loosen considerably. Uh, we've gone to a place where pretty much anything, and uh, again, it's not as though the culture out there, people don't have some standards, they do, but the standards have moved uh, considerably as a culture. Pornography, uh, you won't look at any of this, and I'm going to encourage you to be careful when you Google, but looking for statistics, they will not encourage you in terms of what's going on, in terms of people participating in pornography, people that are considering it okay. Uh, we, this is where the, the world has, has continued to move. Uh, the world, I think, thinks they can separate physical and emotional intimacy. You can engage in this very uh, personal, emotional uh, act, and yet it really doesn't mean. It's just biological, which I'll tell you just makes no sense to me. You tap somebody on the shoulder as we've come out of COVID. I go to fist bump some people, and it feels like me, they're mildly offended if I don't shake their hand. A little bit greater expression of intimacy. You hug somebody... 
all these gestures have emotional consequences and emotional meaning. And so to argue that this most intimate act, uh, that we can participate in that without an emotional connection just seems absurd to me. But the, the philosophy again is let's go try it out. Essentially, I think that's what the bachelor, bachelorette, these three nights, just go try it out, see how it works. Now, it's to be enjoyed. The world gets this part right. It is to be fun. It is to be pleasurable. The world has figured it out. In many cases, it feels like to me about the only standard is that it be between consenting adults. Now, I think they got that one right, and that one gets broken, and I don't think there's anybody in the world that, that would argue it shouldn't be between consenting adults. Uh, but the world's view is there's really no liability in this, what I would call promiscuous lifestyle, while people are engaging things with, with very few boundaries. It's liberating. It's a sexually enlightened view. It's free. And it's the easiest way to intimacy. It is my conviction why the world is so uh, fascinated by this. We all have these strong desires for intimacy. If you're not very good at building emotional intimacy, you can't even begin to develop spiritual intimacy with a, a, another person. The physical intimacy is the easiest way to get to a very intimate act. Now, the benefit of that lasts a short time. Here's the foundation of where I think we differ with those who, who have a more open view. The boundaries that I'm going to move to here that I think are ordained by God are viewed primarily as archaic, unhealthy, repressive, <laughs> anxiety-inducing, and pleasure-decreasing. This is where I think the core of our worldview is going to differ with what's going on in the culture. They see boundaries as limiting. We're going to see God-ordained boundaries as actually joy-producing. So God's designed for his gift of sex. It's God-ordained. We begin with a very different foundation. The world generally is not considering God. We need to understand that when we talk with these folks and when we have conversations with them. Remember, uh, it's to be between uh, a man and uh, a, a woman. And I'm going to go back there because we somehow missed Genesis 2.24. You guys know Genesis 2.24? I'm coming over here to ask you to pick up the sermon and preach from now on. Would you be willing? <laughs> somehow, uh, and forgive me, that messed up. Um, you, you guys know Genesis 24? There it is. Somewhere we lost it. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother. Now, this is the very beginning, right? We're talking about creation, and this is filled with theology, this one verse there. A man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. The primary relationship he has with his parents is now to be with his wife. That's where the loyalties lie. And they shall become one flesh. I think more than just the intimate act of, uh, that the we're talking about here. It's, it's about a, a unity and an intimacy that they share. It's to be, again, between a man and a woman. You all understand our culture generally doesn't buy that anymore. <sighs> I 
Lord, help us stand for your joy and for your truth. Help us to do that reasonably, logically. I'm just going to leave it there. But that's God's design. It's to be an exclusive intimacy. This relationship was designed to have this emotional intimacy, this spiritual intimacy, and this physical intimacy. That a man and woman would share a relationship with each other, and they would share things in that relationship that they would share with no one else. That there'd be a joy. That there'd be a special connection that they would share. That nobody other than that spouse, would enjoy. And let's not miss the magnitude of how God designed this. Sometimes, through this, life results. Folks, sometimes I don't think we get how genius God is and the magnitude. Now, there are some Christians that have tried to limit sex to the only benefit is procreation part of it. I don't want to underestimate that and sell that, but this is about an intimacy which sometimes life is the result. Guys, my alive! This is huge! This is crazy! This is all part of God's infinite wisdom. This is a special, special, special thing. It's for life. Two people, God's design, make a commitment to one another. They have an exclusivity of relationship. I love what most folks say when they get married, until death us do part. So I feel like I'm chained. So I feel like I'm stuck. Because there's a joy in experiencing this that will be forfeited. There's a joy in this intimacy and in this relationship. To be enjoyed. This is a gift of God. Some would suggest one of his better gifts. This is, if not the best, this is a great gift of God. And here's again the core of where we see it differently for the world. The boundaries are here to enhance our enjoyment. And this is where the culture has gone to such a place that lacks, in my estimation, reason and logic. I think our culture would generally agree in most areas of life that some boundaries and some disciplines are a good thing. Some people work too much. We would say they need to limit the work in order to find more joy. Some people don't enjoy working at all. We would suggest to them maybe they ought to figure out how to find the joy that comes in being productive. I'm just going to talk about one here that's very personal to me. And in our culture, our culture has taken a diametrically opposed view to boundaries about it than they have to sex. I just want to suggest I think the principles in both cases are essentially identical. One that's very dear to me. Food. Is there anybody here that wants to debate that food was given to us for our delight? Food was given to us for our enjoyment. I'm going to tell you, I love it. 
Now, this is one of those with which you maybe can tell I wrestle. Now, we live in a culture which is preoccupied with helping people find the boundaries regarding food. You can't look anywhere without somebody suggesting, eat healthy, exercise, live this way, don't eat this much. I had somebody last week ask me if my doctor ever suggested I lose weight. I assured them every time I see him. <laughs> but we live in a culture where this basic principle of boundaries in almost any area of life being healthy, they are now being, if not completely disregarded by folks, they are being shifted and moved without people understanding the consequences and willing to talk about it. So what's the liability? Ah, let's go here, right and wrong. Here's my experience uh, from my youth, and too often as I read stuff that Christians put out, we put out these ideas of right and wrong. Now, don't hear me suggesting I'm not talking about right and wrong. I am. But I think we don't always unpack what we mean by right and wrong. It is a matter of right and wrong. Right. It reflects God's character and design and brings us joy. Not in just regards of physical intimacy, but any other subject. We're looking for the way God created it to work. Because our conviction is he gave us these boundaries to make us happy. Because quite frankly, we're not smart enough to figure it out on our own. But he loves us, so he gives us to us for our greater, deeper, lasting joy. Wrong. It does not reflect God's character and robs us of lasting, deep joy. Now, let's just go here. When we're talking about even conversations with others, where we're asking them to set what we would consider more narrow boundaries, maybe even in terms of their sex lives and consider it, here's what they hear us saying. You don't want me to be happy. What we're trying to help them understand is we're asking you to delay some immediate pleasure for a deeper, more lasting joy. Delayed gratification is not a strength of our culture. Hear me with food. But here's my convictions. Crossing the boundaries like I do with food, I'll just tell you, cost me less than crossing the boundaries with sex. To my soul, to my heart, that's not to cross any of those boundaries. But the boundaries with sex, we just got done looking at that in 1 Corinthians 7. Because there's an intimacy designed here, when we miss those boundaries, there's a cost to our heart. So, the cost of accepting our culture's perspective on sex, just personal emotional pain, shame rather than happiness. Now, there's not many that will actually confess that, but I had a buddy some years ago who had just been with a woman for a one-night stand. And I was asking him, so what's it like in the morning? He says, it's terribly, terribly awkward. So I said, what do you do? He says, I try to sneak out as fast as I can. Now, are you going to call her again? Oh, no. Would never do that. No interest in that. And there are folks out there wrestling with this that I don't think will acknowledge it. 
There's deceit that eclipses intimacy. Oh, I got too many experiences with folks. Deceit about what our experience was before we got with the person we're with. We like to understate that. Because we don't want to necessarily acknowledge where we were doing before. And then sometimes deceit with the person we're with with what's going on. Particularly folks struggling with pornography. They're just going to keep it to themselves. And this relationship where there's intended to be great intimacy when we destroy these boundaries. provide I, Guys, Satan, just let's pause and just respect Satan for a second. He's flipping genius. He takes something that God designed for so good and he has so destroyed it and so perverted it that it's messing up people's lives. Come on, folks. We got to give Satan credit. He's good. He takes something that God has designed to be so beautiful and consequential. Indifference to feelings and hurt of others. Folks that are looking for their own pleasure, less interested in where the other person's coming from. And this one, I put this on the list, but it feels like to me in our world, it's not one that's even considered. The promiscuous lifestyle is so prevalent that they don't even consider that they're forfeiting a gift they could give to their spouse. You following what I'm saying? I think God's intent is this, that we live in such a way that we wait until we get married and we share a part of us with somebody that we have shared with nobody else. People don't understand, you lose the boundaries. There's a gift we're, we're not going to be able to give or receive. And, and the culture is just so permissive. Nobody's even thinking about that. The joy that I have with somebody that we have shared something, the two of us, that nobody else in the world has shared with me. Private hidden addictions. Oh, man. Again, if you read the stats, this is not good with what's going on. The early exposure of our kids, you want to talk about a pandemic. What's going on in our kids' lives, not just our boys, but also our girls, mostly our boys. You want to talk about a pandemic, what our culture is bringing to us, where you got kids that just aren't capable of processing the images that they can now get by hitting a button on their computer or on their phone. And if you think, well, my kid doesn't have a, con a, a, a phone or a computer, do you ever allow them to go to their friend's house? Do you ever allow them to talk with their friends? What's going on out there with our young kids? Lord bless you parents with young kids. One of my deepest prayers and conversation pieces with my kids about my grandkids. How do you, how do you get through this in the world? Emotional pain. Then we got unnecessary physical risks. I'm just going to work through this quickly. Pregnancy. We don't even talk about these anymore. There are roughly 20 million Americans, 20 million Americans each year that get diagnosed with a sexually transmitted disease. It's not even in the news anymore. This isn't even a subject. Because somebody might see that as being one of these archaic boundaries that we would encourage people not to engage in this lest they get sick. Cultural costs, the unrealistic expectations. I think this is a great gift that God has given us. But I'm going to tell you what culture is doing with the media. Oh, man, our life will be complete. It's the way to buy a car. If you want perfume, it will guarantee and is easy and it just works and it is so extraordinary. I think it's a really great gift. 
But it is not what the world is building it up to be. So many folks living with pretty significant disappointment because when they actually get to that place in life, it doesn't work exactly like they saw it work in the movies. This general pro approved promiscuity that's just affecting so many ways, the marital destruction. Folks who even after they get married are not living by the boundaries that God ordained. Divorce, the kids, and what happens there? Sexual abuse. There's more attention than ever to sexual abuse, and I know some of you have uh, had experiences here, and my heart breaks for you, particularly those of you who had experiences as a kid, where you're just exposed to things and experiences that nobody should ever have, but particularly as a kid. I love the increased focus on this. But folks, I think it's naive, with the boundary wall diminishing, to think that somehow there's going to be less and less sexual abuse. As we become more promiscuous, to think that that's not going to be connected. Particularly, I'm just going to tell you, with these young kids who are exposed to images, they have no idea to understand. They just know, particularly little boys, they like it. They don't even actually know why. The addiction. Sex trafficking. And these statistics, again, it's hard. You know, sex traffickers don't actually pay taxes, so it's hard to track this. So you get very different numbers if you look different places. But 4 million uh, victims uh, globally a year, 1 million children. You can find different stats. Profits from this estimated to be roughly 100 billion. I saw one 150 billion. Again, hard to chart this stuff. 50,000, uh, uh, mostly, almost exclusively women, not exclusively, but women are trafficked into the United States each year. Average age a teen enters into sex trade in the U.S. is 12 to 14 years old. As our culture's boundaries continue to move, I don't think there's reason for us logically to believe that sex abuse will go down or the temptation for sex trafficking. This is the world we're living in. Spiritual pain. Distance from God. For those who wrestle with this, we are not usually desiring to be intimate with God when we're crossing one of his boundaries in terms of a human intimacy uh, boundary. My, afraid, my fear is, again, that sex for some might even displace their desire for God. They don't know. Our greatest joy is in relationship with God, not another human being, even our spouse. But these desires without boundaries, without control, folks will miss that relationship with God. The benefits of bracing God's intent for sex. The joy that results from living with God's design boundaries in anywhere in life. It makes us happy. Now, most times what that means is forfeiting some immediate pleasure for the deeper, lasting joy. We're not good at that. In a book called Desiring God by John Piper, he writes in there about a husband who's happier. The husband who's down in the bar trying to pick up a woman or the husband who's up in his hotel room writing a love letter to his wife. Now, we would say texting, but you guys get the point. Who's actually happier? It's about the deepest. It's about the lasting joy. 
It's the gift of exclusivity given, whether or not we, we married somebody without it. If we got married and, 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 and we'd had experiences before, it's about with our spouse, giving that exclusivity to them. It's about that exclusivity received. It's about having an intimate relationship with somebody wherever we are in this journey. At this point in life, we're going, this is a part of me that nobody else gets but you. The joy of increasing intimacy with our spouse where we don't have to lie about what we're doing or not doing. We're just talking about it and sharing the pieces of our heart and then of our head. And the joy of intimacy with God, that's where our greatest joy is found. The world is selling sex. If not the greatest focus of happiness, pretty close. I love this quote from Sean McDowell in a book, and I'll recommend the book, Chasing Love, Sex, Love, and Relationship in a Confused Culture. Because we get hammered for our worldview. Those folks out there are calling us repressive. They're calling us narrow-minded. Guys, get it. We are pleasure diminishers. But I love this quote. What if everybody actually lived with these boundaries? Imagine a world in which everyone followed God's design for sex and marriage. There would be no sexually transmitted diseases, no abortions, no brokenness from divorce. Every child would have a mother and a father and experience the love and acceptance each parent uniquely offers. There would be no rape, no sex abuse, no sex trafficking, no pornography, and no, no, no need for a Me Too campaign. Think of the healing and wholeness if people... Simply live Jesus' life-giving words regarding human sexuality. Now, we live in a broken world. Is that ever going to happen in our lifetime? No. We need to be realists. I put this quote up there for those of us who might be considering moving the boundaries a little bit. Hannah B. That's not a stand that's going to promote healthiness. That's not a perspective that reflects God's. So where can the church grow? Talking about sex as a gift of God. When I was growing up, and I think we've made some progress, but not a lot. Sex was something we talked about in high school group. I can tell you the focus of it, at least from where I was coming. What can you get away with it and not get struck by lightning by God? That was the gist of it, right? And I remember the focus being almost exclusively on what's wrong. As a young person raised in the church and being centered there, we didn't talk about the positive side of this, how it was a gift of God. I don't remember anybody explaining why you would wait. We were just told, do it. Ah, let's give folks the fuller picture. Let's promote God's design. The benefit of boundaries. Let's be talking about that with our young people, with our kids. Let's describe the greater, more lasting joy. Let's talk about the long-term, deeper joy that you lose when you don't live according to God's boundaries. The cost. But let's talk about the benefits. This is great. Now, if you're 12, you're going to wait <laughs> But it's going to be spectacular eventually. Eventually, don't compromise on that greater joy. Let's be appropriately uh, more open about our challenges. In the church, I think this is one of those sins, particularly for men, where there is so much shame that we end up not talking about it. And we want to appropriately 
everybody not airing everything in front of everybody, but we want to talk with those who can help us. We don't want folks to wrestle alone. That desire for this intimacy is powerful. It's strong and it's good. It's good. It just needs direction and boundaries. Let's help one another with that. And let's be more aware of the vulnerabilities to abuse. I think it's one of the places our culture has moved forward that's been very beneficial for us. Very beneficial. More aware of particularly how women have been treated, let's just admit, since pretty much the beginning of time. Kids, this stuff is out there. We all want to be paying attention. We all want to be watching out because this drive is out there. This evil is out there. We're living in a broken world. Let's be more aware and let's be more attentive of what's going on. And let's be educating our kids. I already referenced it, so I'm not going to belabor it too much here. For those of you with young kids, know what's going on in your kid's life. Be informed. I wish it weren't like this, but what's going on out there and the access they have to this area of material, be involved. First of all, be informed, know what your kids are doing, then be involved in your kids' lives, be talking about this, and then walk through it with them, be on this journey with them. Kids out there now, I'm telling you, I'm 62, are being exposed to things that some of which, even in college, I wouldn't have known how to get exposed to. Even if I'd wanted to, I wouldn't have when I was in college back in the late 70s. I wouldn't have known how. Maybe sneak into a movie theater. Our kids now have access to this. Hit one button on the computer. Be paying attention. So how should we respond? Let's recognize where culture's perspective has influenced us. Hannah B.'s perspective on this, if I can speak lovingly and non-judgmentally, but appraise her position, is more affected by the culture than by an accurate view of who God is. Now, Luke P., I don't even know what he was doing on the show. <laughs> Come on, Luke. Let's know what you're in for when you go on these shows. I love that you've, you've promoted Christ's perspective, but even being on the show, I go, huh. But let's each recognize, if we don't think that we've been influenced by this today, I think we need to take a closer look at our views. The views on television, the media, are so far from God's picture. I don't know that you can see, man, I was watching a show, Julie and I, and a young girl was trying to get the guy to live with her, and she said, hey, he was hesitant, you know, and, and uh, he, he, she said, hey, we're not in the 1950s anymore. And that's the view. Our view of what we think being healthy is archaic and outdated. Let's commit to understanding and pursuing God's design. Guys, this is a great gift. Let's not ignore it. Let's not pretend it's not there. Let's not understate it. Let's not undersell it. But let's talk about it. This is a great, great, great gift of God. And I'm stuck, guys. 
Be in relationships to encourage and be encouraged. Let's know, folks. Let's experience Jesus' forgiveness where needed. As we've talked about the subject, my guess is there's at least one or two of us that have been reminded of boundaries in our past that we have not lived within God's boundaries. If you've already received forgiveness for that, go on. If you're still struggling with receiving forgiveness for that, don't let it go on another second. Because here's what I love about Jesus. Whatever I experienced in the past, he washes it clean. So let it go. For some of us, we've been hurt by others. Now, I think there might be appropriate boundaries that exist as a result of being hurt by somebody else. I'm not encouraging you not to live by those boundaries. But I am encouraging all of us, based upon Jesus' forgiveness of us, to forgive those folks. Because Jesus has forgiven us. Now, there might be boundaries that we're still going to live with as a result of that hurt. Don't hear me compromising those. But let's move forward. And then let's pursue God's design for intimacy. Wherever we are in this journey, single, married, second marriage, about to get married, 15 years old, let's pursue God's design. And from where we are right now at this moment, let's go forward wholeheartedly. One practical thing. Let's support organizations that uh, are committed to helping victims of abuse and human trafficking. We've got a group here called uh, REACH. Uh, Dennis Griggs helps with the leadership, Lucy Parks and Sonia May. We've got a table over here. But this is a group, Richfield. It's about Richfield Community Church, educating action and compassion for uh, uh, victims of, uh, uh, of human trafficking. That's where this REACH thing comes from. And we want to be, maybe got to put a speaker there. We want to be supporting those folks who are practically helping those folks who are trying to recover from being a victim. This gift that God has given, misused and abused, has caused great tragedy in some people's lives. As instruments of God's grace, we want to help one another. We want to find that healing ourselves. And we want to help out those who are out there who desperately, desperately, desperately need a healing touch from Jesus. Thanks, Father, for loving us. Thanks for working in our lives. Thanks for giving us Jesus. This is just one of the myriad of gifts that you've given us that Satan has taken and distorted. Ultimately to hurt us and to rob us of the joy that you intend. Our prayer is that you will help us to see your grace. In our relationship first and foremost with you. And then our relationships with everyone else. Father, this relationship between a man and a woman, you have created it to be special. For those of us who enjoy that, I pray that you would help us to live within your parameters. For those that aren't enjoying that, may you deepen our relationship with you and help us to find meaningful relationship to fill you with your love and your grace. Father, we are in a battle. We are in a war, but you, you strengthen and empower us. Father, fill us with your power. Fill us with your grace. Fill us with your love.
Ah, we love you.